tonight a presentation so special and unique that for the first time in the five years we've been presenting The Twilight Zone, we're offering a film shot in France by others. Winner of the Cannes Film Festival of 1962, as well as other international awards. Here is a haunting study of the incredible from the past master of the incredible, Ambrose Bierce. Here is the French production of an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And oh, I thought we left him back in season two with the invaders. We have uh, Richard on the show again. I am the guest who's on this podcast that Terry and Paul asked me to come on. I'm a living band singing this shitty song. That you'll hear on the episode, a living man. <laughs> bravo, bravo! Thank why, you. why is that so thought provoking? Why, why does that sound familiar? I well, see. I see. Yeah, I, hmm. I, I, I just came up with that. It, <laughs> it, it just came to my head, almost as if is, is, almost is, as is if the I song was floating along a stream. Is it is it shitty or is it just you know? Just another uh, dream-like thing that's along the way with this episode. That's what we're going to figure out. So um, that was an amazing intro, and you sang it much better than anything I could possibly sing on this uh, this uh, series up to this point. Uh, that implies that I'll become a songbird before season five's out. That's not going to happen. Um, Fingers crossed. Maybe. I'd like maybe, to hear it. I want to hear it. You know. um, all right. So I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation about uh, Spur of the Moment. Um, and uh, the, all the screaming that happened there, uh, that was, it was a fun episode, but now we're getting to this one. This is uh season five episode 22 an occurrence in Owl Creek bridge. Um, let's just get into some day and date. Uh, this one is actually before we get the day and date, we talked about this before we start recording. Um, if, if people listening to this, this show, we appreciate you listening. If you've not watched this episode, you need to stop what you're doing right now and watch it. So I'm going to throw one of these out here uh, right now, just so everybody knows that like going forward, unfortunately, to talk about this episode, we, we do need to get into it. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Got to throw an Alex Trebek out there. May he rest in peace. Just stop listening. Go and watch the episode um, and come back because I do not want to ruin any of this for you. That That's... I would feel so bad because I came into this thing relatively blind and I cannot wait to talk about it. I don't want to rob anybody else of that. And uh, I'll, I'll put a little spoiler out there too. It is national twilight zone day. So oh. yeah. Yeah. You guys yes. we were talking about this earlier. You're, there was a little things that mentioned of like, 
why uh, season three was being re- uh, played on Sci-Fi Channel on repeat, it's because it's National Twilight Zone Day. Why? So, why May eleventh yes. though? That's I'm just trying to make. Is there something that I don't know about? Like, I I don't get it. Oh, I, I don't know where these national like there's National Hot Dog Day, National Cheesecake Day. National neuter your pet day. I don't know. Like these things all come out of nowhere. So. Neuter your pet or be nude to your pet day. What? What? That's uh, send nudes to your pet send day. Nudes I don't know. To your wow. pet. All right. Uh, um, actually, let me let me see here. What was the pilot? Uh, what was it? No, the first episode was Where Is Everybody? What was the air date for that? Maybe that's what it is. So I'm gonna look that up real quick. Uh, season one. Well, it premiered one. on October first, nineteen fifty. Yeah, so it has nothing to do with this day. So all right, then. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know who decided this, but right, it's well, all happy over. Twilight Zone day, everybody. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I watched. Um, I turned on the Sci-Fi episode. Channel, and I, I saw Paul's favorite episode, Hocus Pocus. Uh, frisbee. frisbee hocus yes. pocus and frisbee yes yes my favorite episode it just makes me <laughs> i just feel so it's all when i when i watch it all i want to do is this <laughs> okay i said i wasn't going to press that button during the episode but yeah go back Thank Thank you for about in. some other that. woman's name uh, <laughs> yeah she's like ah, frisbee she just yells it anyway so anyway this could be a fun episode, guys. So I have, you know, I, talk I just considering like how, <laughs> yes. how like this is actually a pretty, pretty serious episode. We're just, we're already, you know, yeah, this is going to be an interesting uh, journey here. Um, so yeah, so yeah, spoilers. Watch, watch the episode, please, and then come back, listen to our conversation because I know it's going to be wonderful. Um, that, that's my, that's my guarantee. It's going to be a great conversation. So, air date for this, uh, for the Twilight Zone anyway, was February twenty eighth, nineteen sixty four. Uh, number one film at the time uh, was called Dead Ringer. I'm going to read um, the synopsis in the cast. And this sounds like this is actually a pretty cool little film. Um, the working class twin sister of a callous, wealthy woman impulsively murders her out of revenge and assumes her identity. But impersonating her dead twin is more complicated and risky than she anticipated. This is directed by uh, Paul Henrid. Uh, he was um, uh, the Frenchman in Casablanca. That was kind of like the guy that was that knew what, what Rick was up to the entire time. Like he plays a pretty big role. Uh, also stars Betty Davis, Carl Malden, and Peter Lawford. Um, sounds like a cool little film to watch. I, I just I'm in. Quite a bit of stars in that one too. I, I, I've never heard of it, but and that might be an interesting movie to catch up on. Yeah. So number one song, I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. Never heard of them. Uh, so going on to actually what happened here. Uh, the day before this episode aired, uh, the government uh, of the city of Pisa asked the, the Ministry of Public Works of Italy to intervene to keep the leading tower of Pisa from toppling over. The proposal recommended after a study by an architect was to tilt the 180-foot-tall tower back slightly from its lean of almost 11 feet from true perpendicular by raising it six feet uh, constructing a new concrete uh, base for it to stand on and then lowering it at the cost of more than $1 million. And here's the quote I like. No one wants to straighten the tower. Tourists wouldn't flock here to see a straight-leaning tower. I think that's appropriate. Uh, and it's a pretty legitimate statement, honestly, too. Yeah. Uh, Come see the yeah. not-leaning tower, Pisa. You know, I would not go to see that. <laughs> you know how many like how many uh, like Instagram photos would be messed up if they're trying to like hold it up and it's a straight... Yeah. yeah. So that's what I got for day and date. Terry, do you got anything? No, that's pretty much it. Outside of the, especially the, uh, the whole note of, uh, it being 
uh, Twilight Zone day. So I, I, I just want I, I just thought that was funny. I was like, what the hell else context does this have? But, well, it's weird um, because like Shirley's well, birthday is like, day, yeah. his birthday is like Christmas, right? And it's like, I don't know why, like, like there's other things that go on now. We have May the 4th, um, uh, April 26th is Alien Day because, you know, LV4426, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, why, why 511? Is that like the, is that the day when most people like, I don't know, like weird shit happens to them? I don't know. I don't, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm pretty excited about it. At least there's a day to appreciate uh, some good storytelling. Well, good so, news uh, that we're yeah. releasing this the day after Twilight Zone Day. So that's that's. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting ready for next year. So, um, so yeah, let's just get into uh, cast here. Uh, cast and crew. Hold on, Terry. Hold on. I got, oh, I got a couple oh, days. Oh, 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 sorry, oh, sorry, hey, sorry, hey. sorry. I, I did some research, a little bit for a okay. change. The uh, on on the New York Times bestseller list. At this time was the uh, spy who came in from the cold by uh, John Le Carre, which was the novel that really put him on the on the world notice to um, uh, being a bestseller of spy novels and kind of forced him to not be a spy anymore <laughs> for the British Secret Service. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, oh, like, it'd be like releasing a cookbook. Be like, now you know all my recipes. Right. Like, is that where Pretty we're much, at with yeah. that? Yeah. He just recently passed away, didn't he? Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, a few months ago, actually, yeah. Yeah, um, I I've not read the Spy Who Comes from the Cold. I know that's been has it been turned into a movie. I think it's been turned into a movie. Yes, uh, Richard Burton was the uh, lead character. Um, Alex Lehman, I think the guy's name was, mm. and it's I think it's the third book that Lecare features his character uh, George Smiley. Okay, and that that's kind of a recurring character through a lot of his books, and who was played by Alec Guinness in the seventies, and was recently played by. Um, Gary Oldman. Okay. In, uh, was it Tinker the, Taylor soldier spy? Uh, yeah. It's more of like a, like a, a realistic grounded, like kind of bond. Like, is that the kind of a, like, uh, uh yes, okay. yes it is. Yeah. I've, I've only read Tinker Taylor and it's amazing. It, it's a really, really good, really good character studies too. If you actually want to get into that. So it, it kind of has a boast of both, both <laughs> best of both worlds. Oh, nice. Sense. Look at mm-hmm. you bringing the class here. Like, look at that. Classing up the drum. And yeah. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's about it. The song was the classless, and that was the class. Yeah. And that's about it. I just look for helicopter crashes and, like, uh, animals stampeding through towns. That's all I look for whenever day and date. That's, you know, if I can get, like, some weird violence going on, that's that's where we're at with that. So There you go. That's, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> so, Terry, I'm going to put it on you just because I, I think this would be great. Uh, give us – let's go to some caster crew here. <laughs> uh, you know how much I love reading names, too. Yeah. Um, so, our director on this is uh, Robert Enrico. Enrico? Yeah, that looks right to me. Uh, and I'm going to put this out there, people. This is a French production. I don't know – anything that any of these people participated in so i'm going to give you the credits and that's about it because i don't know anything else that they've done let's give us the director and then we'll just run through the cast names real quick because i think that's appropriate to give the names then we'll get to the short story portion which um we have a lot to get into so i think that that would be better to give uh the writer of the story more of a spotlight right so enrico um he what i have for him is that the short film did win the 62 Cannes Film Festival Award for Best Short Subject and the 63 Oscar for Best Live Action Short Film. Um, he did two other Bierce, um, Ambrose Bierce adaptations that um, got, they, they, they put all three of these together to be released as a film standalone. So it's like this weird 
French film that's an anthology of three American Civil War stories. That's a sense I never thought I'd say out loud. But um, so that's all I got from him. And then we got we got our actors here. So Terry, you don't have to try these names. I can I can run through this real quick, and then we can get to the the writer here. I I yeah, I think you should probably pull this one off. Okay, better. I'll do my best here. We got uh <laughs> we got we got uh, Roger Jacquet as uh, Peyton Farquhar, uh, and uh, Cornali as uh, Irby uh, Farquhar. Uh, Anchor Larson as the Union officer, uh, Stefan Fay as Union captain, Jean Frequoz Zeller as the Union sergeant, Pierre Danny as Union soldier, Louise Alden as Union soldier, Snake as Snake, uh, Spider as Spider, you know, uh, leaves and veins as leaves and veins. That's what we have. Um, so that that's our cast. Uh, and then uh, rifles as you know, rifles are rifles in the bridge. The bridge was actually played by. Um, Oh, um, oh, what's his name from the Twilight Zone? It's always showed up all the time. Ah, now you're going to stump yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to make the joke. Guy trying to make some jokes. Yeah, I was trying to make some jokes. Um, yeah, anyway. So anyway, uh, the bridge yeah, is a bridge. So I, yeah, I'm glad this was record time for our cast. Well, uh, thank you, because I was going to stumble over every one of those names. Um, so, yeah, there we go. And then, uh, yeah, we wanted to get back to our writer on this, uh, Ambrose Bierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does everybody know about him? I, I've never heard of him as an author. What do you guys have? I'm well, gonna... I'm going to let Richard talk now. <laughs> Please uh, have the floor. That'll be me. Um, yeah. yeah, he was, let's see, Ambrose Bierce, born June 24th, 1842. Just to give you some quick details. He was... Uh, Raised in Indiana with strongly religious parents. He was in one of those families where they had about 50 children. Actually, they had about 13. But, um, <laughs> they had 50, but 13 <laughs> lived. Well, let's be honest. You know, that's what uh, yeah, happens, exactly. Yeah. But, but where did he, where did he, was he born, Richard? He was born in, um, excuse my pronunciation, Miggs, Migs County, Ohio. Yes, Ohio connection. We got yes. something here. Well, okay. Sorry, I was going to mention that Robert Ohio McCord. Kids? Robert McCord played the bridge. That's what I was, that was the uh, joke I was going to make. <laughs> thank you for the interruption. Yeah, that's sorry. I, 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 I would have felt so bad. Robert McCord's been in like sixty episodes of the Twilight Zone. I've been like, why and not like sneak him in? Have been uncredited. Yeah, he's like shows up his hands or like the back of a head. I'm like, Robert McCord is the bridge. That's what I want to believe. So anyway, please, uh, more more uh, Ambrose beers, please. Yes, but um, Bierce was, even though he's known a little more now for his supernatural writing and stuff, at the time he was more known as being a satirist, a humorist, so kind of more in common with Mark Twain than with, say, Poe or um, whomever at the time you want to say was a big supernatural writer. Um couple of his books that he had out to give you an example of the kind of humor that he was. Uh, one that cl- what collected a bunch of his essays was called cobwebs from an empty skull. It- uh, another book where he uh, made all these kind of fractured definitions. It was called the devil's dictionary. Um, an example of that is uh, he defined war as a byproduct of the arts of peace. And he defined peace as a period of cheating between two periods of fighting. <laughs> so not, that's not the wrong. kind of guy that you're not dealing wrong. with. Yeah. So yeah, he, he was, he was cynical. He, he gained the nickname bitter beers. Um, but, uh, he was in the civil war. He, he actually, he signed up for 
the uh, Civil War pretty much as soon as Lincoln said, hey, I, we need some volunteers. So he signed up for the Union straight away. And he fought in Shiloh. He fought in Chickamauga. He got injured at the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain in 1864 and eventually left in uh, January of 65. So not long before the war kind of came down. But um, his popular column was the Prattler, which he had a review or a mix of reviews, gossip, political and social commentary. So he just was wrote all over the map. And... His death is still kind of up in the air. No one quite knows what happened to him. Yes. He just kind of hinted at one thing and just disappeared, right? Like that was. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was uh, um, 1913. He told newspapers that he was going to go to Mexico to get firsthand knowledge of the Mexican Revolution. But two biographers, one of whom was a really good friend of his, said that's just a bunch of BS that. He actually, that any information that he gave to the newspapers was kind of circumstantial at best. Because he, he had written a letter to someone telling them later on that uh, he said, you know, don't believe what I, what I told the newspapers. Because he said, I, I just had to tell them something. <laughs> Wasn't there, there's some, there's some uh, suspicion that he went to the Grand Canyon and committed suicide, right? Like that, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, so there was some suspicion by uh, somebody. Modern and old biographers that thought, well, he kind of did himself in because he was quoted as saying that that he felt the people who committed suicide were courageous and he kind of feared getting old. And he said that death, quote, beats old age, disease or falling down the cellar stairs. Yep. End quote. <laughs> That's fair. So, yeah. yeah. So other things I found out about him, just I, I did a little bit of research as well is just, I got to, you know, got to shout out that he was part of the first uh, land battle of the Civil War because he signed up to be part of the operations in Western Virginia, um, which would eventually split off to be West Virginia. But he was at the Battle of Philippi, which was the first organized land action, which is like 25 minutes away from where I grew up. So that's kind of cool. Um, oh, cool. I, like, I just, I don't know, like, I just, the Civil War is always fascinating to me. Like, and they grew up in a, like an area that, like, gained it's part of its identity because they split away from like the South doesn't mean they changed any of some of their, their mentality. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, you mentioned, um, what? the, the traumatic brain injury that he got with the battle of Kennesaw mountain makes you wonder if that doesn't change your perspective. If you got a traumatic brain injury and then you're a writer, just going to, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with what you talked about, that was the Prattler. I think that was in San Francisco. They wrote a lot of that and actually had a pretty big following. Mm-hmm. So when he wrote stuff, people would pay attention so um, there was rumors of um, the government, like the over in like the, the in Congress, they're going to pass a bill to forgive railroad companies of a lot of their debt that because they brought mm-hmm. money from the U.S. government. They sent beers there to kind of like be like this firebrand to come in and be like, I know what you're doing. So he showed up in D.C. and actually uh, talked to um, oh, what was it? Uh, he talked to one of the one of the people there, like one of the congressmen. And they, they're like, basically like, yeah, we know, you know, what's going on. What's your price? And he was like, my price is $130 million. If when you're ready to pay, I happen to be out of town. You may hand it over to my friend, the treasury of the United States, which was the amount of money that they're going to forgive the railroads since yeah. he covered it, that, that, uh, that it all failed. So the railroads were on the hook to pay the government back. I think that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he had a lot of pull back then. He was very, yeah. very popular. And so he was also talked, he, they, they talked about his penchant for trick endings. That will pay off later. Um, and then also, um, yes. <laughs> he dedicated himself to shocking the audience He you know, and to attack the reader's smug intellectual security. Um, Kurt Vonnegut stated that he considered an occurrence in Owl Creek Bridge the greatest American short story. So this is a guy yeah. I didn't know anything about until this. And it sounds like he's very influential on a lot of what we know. Yeah, and if you're going to get that kind of props from Kurt Vonnegut, then that tells you he, he definitely erred more on the side of Twain than Poe. Yeah, but it's like, but mm-hmm. also I think he also uh, influenced uh, Lovecraft too. From what I was reading, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people that like, like um, I don't know, I don't think he's the 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 father of like the like you know the trick ending. I guess it's not the way to say that, but like the twist ending. But yeah. he's one of the guys that utilized it. And I'm honestly surprised that we got to season five of the Twilight Zone without any of Beers' stuff being approached. Yeah, because I have read um, read in a couple of places that Serling was a huge Beers fan, just amongst a lot of his literary uh, heroes. Beers was one of them. Well, and considering that like we we have visited the, the Civil War numerous times of the Twilight Zone to this point, like the passersby, Still Valley. Um, oh, uh, uh, Terry, you remember that? What was the, what was it? Time? What was it? Um, not time enough at last. That's not the episode. Um, no time like the present where there was yeah. a season four episode where the, 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 the jackass was going around, like trying to tell like, Hey, Hey Japanese, there's a bomb coming. I'm going to give you 15 minutes <laughs> to let you know, uh, whatever that one was called. Like, but he ends up like, you know, around like Indiana, like in like the around the same time of the civil war, like around that time, but it's like, this is not something that's uncommon. And I'm surprised that like Beers' storytelling and also his, uh, his, like he also, he was a soldier. He wrote a lot about the war experience. Like this isn't a guy like reaching back and telling like a, what if like he experienced a lot of this and I could see that, how that would color his perceptions. And then also, I mean, you saw things on the battlefield. You're going to be really haunted. Yeah, you're going to write some weird stuff. I can't. I can't fault him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and if uh, I, I won't get into that here, but if you ever get a chance to read anything about um, what happened at the Battle of Shiloh, mm-hmm. the borderline supernatural effects for those who aren't familiar with the Civil War, and especially the Battle of Shiloh, I urge anyone to go out and read about that if they can. Just the the green lights and everything that occurred over the days of that battle. Okay. So yeah, this is like, this is like this big, um, this foundational knowledge here in terms of like the, this previous, this, this guy who wrote short stories that gave you like this punchy ending that it's like, Oh, but we've been, we've been talking about the twilight zone. Like just, Oh my goodness. Like, so Terry, I'm gonna put this on you. Like, I know, um, you, you're not that familiar with beers as am myself. Like, what are your thoughts on like this guy being like, Hey, I've brought everything to you guys. Like this should have been, there should have been earlier beer stories in the series. Oh no. And that's not surprising at all because there's plenty of prolific authors that never had something that was adapted um, for TV. And that uh, this gentleman definitely had things uh, a plenty uh, adapted after the fact. I mean, we're going all the way up into uh, this year, actually, that he's had things that have been adapted so I'm I'm as surprised as you guys of why there really hasn't been like in at least the Twilight Zone something else that's been adapted by him. 
And I'm after this, uh, I'm really interested in the diving in his, uh, his, uh, backlog of, uh, of stories in that. Well, and also um, too, I, I found out this through reading and then just dig, digging in that, that this isn't the first time that this story has been adapted. There was actually an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents that took mm-hmm. a, a swing at this too, that I have not seen that came out earlier than this. So I'm curious to see what an interpretation is. I mean, cause Again, we're going to talk about budgets and stuff later. I'll give you guys some numbers. That's going to like, you know, you're going to understand why this was also very favorably picked for the series. Um, I don't know how much money they spent on that presentation and also that interpretation of it, but I'm curious to go look at it now. Yeah. It, one of the things that I was more interested in checking out uh, as far as I looked at his uh, uh, interpretations here, a uh, masters of horror from 2006, uh, one of the episodes was about his, uh, his story, the damned thing. So I, I want to check that out. And I, I've, I've yeah. seen only a small amount of the masters of horror. Um, I need to just, just get that off my plate and watch all of them. Well, mark it. We'll, we'll cover that. once we get past season five here, we'll, we'll, um, before whatever it is we're going to do next, let's just make sure we get some masters of horrors in here. Just, just, I've not seen any of that series. I know I need to, Ooh. I know there's some carpenter stuff in there yeah, that I need yeah. to get yeah, to. Yeah. But- uh, not sure. Cigarette burns. Wait, wait, I take that back. I've seen cigarette burns. Yeah, I've not seen. Yeah, them. yeah. Um, but I think that'd be fun to get into some uh, masters of horror. So please, just uh, keep that in the back of your head. Uh, we'll get to it. Noted. <laughs> so yeah, but that—that's all the notes I had for him. Uh, like even the damn thing, uh, it was a, a TV miniseries apparently too. Not sure where it was produced, but um, they did four episodes that were story shorts for the damned thing. So this has to be, um, this has to be public domain by now. Right. Like you would think that, I mean, granted, I know some stuff is like, they always make up, it's all these Disney rules, right. To keep everybody like to not drawing that damn mouse. But, uh, like you would think this is all public domain. So you think people that are trying to, uh, like have content to create would find some footing and move on. That's, that's why I'm surprised by some of this. Right. That's why I'm also surprised that like, a bunch of from French filmmakers are like, we're going to cover the American civil war when they also have a rich tapestry of messed up things that happen in their country in terms of revolutions. It's just, it's an odd, it's an odd thing for me to, to, to consider like all that went into this story that just, what is it with the civil war that was fascinating? I guess because it was maybe around the hundred years from the point of, um, the resolution. So I guess it was like not that far away. Like we're talking, there were still people alive at this time, like, you know, on the fringes, but I guess it wasn't as far away as we think it was. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can't really speak to that. I'm, I, I'm not that great of a historian. Uh, and what I, what I know is what I read from the, the episodes that we, we have and, on and various uh, Buzzfeed lists. I know <laughs> yeah, all I know. I learned from the internet. Really? Uh, you're like, I did, I just like, what kind of civil war soldier would be? It's like, I got 95% Confederate. What? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I knew it. My, my war day. match is Nathan Bedford Forrest. I don't understand what's going on. This is not good. This is not good. <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> no. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a, um, a lot here to dig into. So, um, yeah, where do we, I guess we, as we start, like, this is a hard one to talk about because there's, there's, there's stuff going on, but if there's not a lot of dialogue, which is by like by design. So 
Uh, Richard, you're the guest. Walk us into this. You've also read the story too, right? You, yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And and I have to say, and I, Terry, you read this as well. You can back me up on this. This is fairly um, close to the story. Yeah, I did. I think they did a great job of adapting this. Yes. Yeah, and they left out uh, one one little chunk, which I think for the purpose of the the film and subsequently for the twilight so it's really not necessary but uh, i can get into that later but um the uh of course after the serling intro it opens up showing the sign stating order any citizen interrupting with the railroad bridges tunnels or trains will be summarily hanged this 4th of april 1862 so to kind of put smack dab in the middle of the war which i believe in the story takes place in alabama hmm Okay. That's interesting just because I know that the supply lines down there were way, like, like way worse. Cause, um, here's my mm-hmm. civil war history. Um, the supply lines in terms of railroads and things, all the, all the tracks were different gauges. So it was really hard to get things around moving in the Southern States because like there wasn't a unified track size. So I'm going to guess that if, uh, you know, you're messing with, uh, bridges and things that's going to, that, that will be a huge interruption, but that's neither here nor there. So. Um, well, yeah. that actually kind of makes sense too with the um, with how this the storyline goes, or with with a lot of how the storyline goes within the story itself, because um, maybe I will get into the story itself here rather than the show. <laughs> First off, um, the the intro to the story and to the episode kind of mirror each other, where they show everyone walking out to the bridge and to a nice cool little drum cadence and uh just uh, everything everything and, looks like dead there did you guys pick up on that where it's like it was like the trees were barren and it was like it was like like just foggy and it just everything felt like well yeah, yeah. it was the opening of day yes and uh i really dug the cool tracking shots that just kind of glided into what what you find find out short in short order is going to occur uh, hanging in the morning yeah, but that yeah. is a that is a janky ass bridge too. Just as a heads up, I'm surprised that <laughs> no. everybody else wasn't hung from that thing too. Because that thing looked a like janky it's ass collapse. bridge. Yes, that's. Yeah. Like <laughs> Where's ODOT? We need to call yeah, them yeah. up. And- it's not OSHA friendly. Let's just we'll be honest. That's fine. You know, um, uh, but yeah, no. but even even the 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 way that 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 um, small bridge and the track looks like it, it all of it is just like it none of it feels good to look at. And with the early morning mist and the tracking shots, like, like Richard mentioned, which I adore, like you're, yeah. you're off, you're like off put from the get go. I dig it. There, there's a lot of things here that are going on that make you feel different. Like you're hearing the birds chirping, you're hearing the, the water just kind of flowing down the stream and that there's, there's kind of dead silence outside of that. But like, you know that something ominous is approaching too, because this dude is, he's, he's tied up. Uh, he looks like he's going to get executed, but like all these, like, I love all the sound design in this. Like, let me put that at the forefront here. That's probably my favorite thing of this entire episode. It's the sound design. It sounds amazing. Like I could close my eyes and just feel like I'm there with the, with these guys, like just sitting there waiting Unfortunately, to hang this guy, but it like it sounds so serene. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's one thing that's a really cool um, um, 
uh, I can't think of a word now. It just suddenly escaped me. But it, it, well, it's an element to it, right? So, like, it, juxtaposition. It, yeah, it takes, juxtaposition. Yeah, you hear you, it's, it sounds like early spring. It's one of the, it, it almost feels like one of those chilly, foggy spring mornings where, like, you're getting up and like there's still that chill in the air and you got the fog and the trees and but because since the trees aren't budding yet, you hear all these birds, you know, loud as all get out, right? Like they're all all they want, like they're just yelling about how much they want to have sex with each other. That's all birds yell about. Um, that's the truth. Let's just be honest. The birds just call out to each other so they can have sex. Sorry, guys. It's hard truths. Yeah, that's what's going on, right? That's the occurrence at the Owl Creek Bridge is owls getting on. That's the occurrence. No, but you hear this, like the sounds of mourning and it's like, it's, it's very, a stark contrast to the imagery of like the barren looking trees and these soldiers with guns and like the, everybody has a grim look on their face, but you hear nature perking up in the morning and it's very off putting. Yeah. Cause it shows you the opposite sides of nature and everything going on around is coming to life. Whereas the soldiers and the condemned are out there to start their day off with death. And, and even when the, uh, when the noose gets thrown around and put on, uh, Peyton Farquhar's neck, you can see even on his face that it it gets real that instant whenever it's tightened up and then his face shows a gallon of sweat, which is uh, yeah. somewhat indicative of any episode of the Twilight Zone. But. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean the Twilight Zones of like what people don't understand, it's a very sweaty zone. Uh but yes. no, but like <laughs> like the time that they take to show the rope being thrown over like the arch and the fastening of the noose and just hearing like Terry's mentioning, like there's not a score there. Like you, you as a storyteller, you as a filmmaker can make edits to show that this is what's happening and get through it quicker. But they're focusing on the act of setting up the fact that he's on this plank, um, that is, that's being counter levered by another human body. Like the moment that person steps off, he's gone. Right. And then yeah. like all of that, just how they drag it out is just, you get this like sense of unease the entire time. And I don't know, I can't think of a twilight zone episode that's made me feel this uncomfortable, which again, we'll, we'll get at the very end. I think there should be an asterisk put to this about being a twilight zone episode, but man, like in terms of just like just being thrust right in the middle of this and you got to feel feels and experience everything. Um, it is uncomfortable and it still, it still rings true like almost 60 years later. And I, I think that they're, they're projecting an idea that you may be there with uh, Peyton. Like you might be even like being hung at the exact same time. So you're just like, you're supposed to be quiet. You're supposed to feel these emotions that he's going through and doing the, um, the audio book on this, like it put me in that place setting. Like I didn't need to hear any score to this. This is, I think this was done in a way that needed to be like projected like this. Like you needed to feel what Peyton was going through at that exact moment. And and everything that plays out after this moment, you'll understand that a lot more. Like, so I actually think whoever, whoever set these scenes up actually did a really great job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Richard's like, I don't know what to. Yeah. Like, it's like Terry made a good point. We're done, everybody. Good night, everybody. Like that's yeah, it. We're done. Covered it and we're done. No, no. I, like I think Robert and Rico. I think um, having their 
there's something to be said for being able to visualize what you want to do and, and, and pull it off. And I, and I'll put this to Richard as well. I know you're, you're a writer and you're a storyteller and it's like, you, you probably like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume, and you can tell me I'm wrong. Um, you get flashes in your head of sequences and scenes and images, right? Like, 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 and then you got to find the connective tissue around. I'm sure with him, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to focus this on, on, you know, the man, the hanged man, the potentially hanged man. And we're, we're going to be put in his position and like, how do I tell the story? And there, there's these things of like, I want these images of him looking around at all the soldiers that are not looking at him. Like, like there's a lot of shots of them looking away. Cause they know they don't want to watch a guy get murdered. There's a lot of him like this kind of frank. There's, there's that one horrible shot, horrible as I mean, very effective of him looking down at his feet and the camera just moves around the, the plank. It is just upsetting. Like, so I'm going to say from you being a creative, like, is this the stuff that you hang your hat on of like, I need, this is what I want when I see things. This is the effect I want when I write these words. Uh, yes, yes, it is. And, and then this, it also goes back to what I was saying from the get go is that, um, uh, Enrico really takes from the story uh, in, in this respect, because that's one thing that Beers really describes is um, Peyton standing there and he's getting ready and he, and he has his hands tied behind his back and the noose around his neck and he looks and he sees the soldiers on either side of the bridge and he looks down over the bridge and he sees the, um, the uh, large uh, um, uh, branch floating by and and um, Oh, what, what does he say at one point? I even wrote this down here. I'm in suspense. Uh, I'm shoot, hanging, I can't I'm find hanging, it in here. Yeah, I'm but, hanging but, but on anyway, the edge of your words right yeah. now with a noose around my neck. Please, please tell me what's going on. All right. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it's, yeah, he, everything that is shown in that, within those shots ha, is mirrored from the story itself. Nice. So it, it's, yeah, because yeah, there's, there's an, there's really an internal uh, dialogue that's going on for uh, Peyton. Like, he's trying to figure out maybe if these things work out and everybody's oh, yeah, here turning it is right their here. heads. Yeah, if, if I could free my hands, I might throw off the noose and spring into the stream, evade the bullets, reach the bank and get home, you know, and... Yeah, like so. a die a dying man's like last like efforts to maybe get loose, be free. Like he's trying to almost think frantically. Like if all these fall in a line, I might survive. And that's that's not too far detached from like what this man should be feeling right now. And but to not have internal dialogue, to not have like a voice that's like projecting all of these feelings. I think you're you're feeling that as a viewer. I yes. think all of that's already yes. known. This could have easily been trampled over with, with um, voiceover. Like it could have easily been, especially even like for converting this to a U.S. audience for uh, television, they could have easily manipulated this and put that over top. I mean, I, and Serling didn't want that, but you could easily see somebody being like having a thought process. Cause there's been, um, I'll give you the example and it, it's done well. Season two, episode one's called the King nine will not return. It's a dude, like on um the sandy beach where he it's just him waking up and his uh, crew on this um was it a bomber plane um like there's no one around and he wakes up and he just finds his plane it's just him talking out loud and then also thinking at times of like where is everybody like you could have easily used that as a device and I think mm -hmm. there was this wonderful restraint here to not do that because 
This this is the epitome. If people want to talk to me about like you know how to do things, like this is the epitome of showing and not telling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because in, instead of having him saying, "Oh, if I could free my hands," they show his hands behind his back, and he struggles with the with the uh, ropes a little bit, and you can tell. Okay, he's testing the rope just to see if maybe you know. And you know that as an audience watching this, you don't need yeah. a voiceover telling you that that's what he's thinking. And you can see him looking around thinking, okay, what are my options? There's guys there. There's guys there. Oh, there's guys down there at the bank. There's a guy up at the bank uh, atop of me watching with his gun at the ready. You know, oh, no, my options are pretty limited. Yeah. So I, so I appreciate all that. Um, and that's whenever we get uh, uh, him, his mind drifting, right? That's when we get to him thinking to uh, to his wife that I think her name's Abby. It's it's really hard to tell. I, I'm joking. It's Abby. Um but we get this beautiful shot that's uh, of her. It's in slow motion. And it's very, um, oh, I don't know how you want, I don't want to say Art Nouveau, but it's very different than anything we've seen in the Twilight Zone. Where it's her, like, she's like a Southern Belle. There's a kid in a swing by a tree, and he's saying her name, Abby, over and over again. And she's smiling and putting down her uh, crochet work or whatever. She's the needlepoint. And walking directly towards the camera in slow motion and smiling, it is a very odd shot on purpose. And it made me think, um, I'm going to throw a movie out to you guys that neither one of you have seen just because that's what I am. I'm being a jerk. Uh, Duck You Sucker. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a later, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the final Westerns that, um, oh, um, the guy did uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You know, the, the, my name's failing right now. Uh, the words that, you know. Uh yeah i want to say not not marconi marconi no marconi he did the score score. it Um, was um spaghetti western yeah but it was the last it was one of the last um, ones that um oh shit it was uh sergio leone it was ducky sucker called once upon a time the revolution there's these bits where we have flashbacks to like earlier days where we have these slow motion moments and some dialogue and some music and it felt very haunting. And that's where I saw that. I'm like, oh my gosh. But then you hear this ticking of this clock, right? And that's the first yeah. time in this episode where we get like, time is not what you think it is. And I think it's very important to this entire episode. It, it, and it's important to the that bit of the storyline too in the short story. And yeah. they ramp it up pretty quickly in this as well. And they take it away from him. I think even before he notices that it is his watch. But, but, uh, but, but yeah, it is his watch. The close the sooner like the more we go through the sequence, we hear the clock like getting faster, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the right, moment like he like he snaps to, they take the 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 wristwatch, sorry, wristwatch, pocket watch out of you know out of his pocket and they're like, Oh, I'll take his watch and then and then they open it and it plays like, you know, like I don't know, like a music box, which yeah, I don't that, think that that's how that works, but but it's great, right? And then they're like, nope, mm-hmm. snap it shut, put it in a pocket, we're done now. But that's the first time that's just let you know that time is very I don't like the word fluid. It is time is very um stretchy through this entire entire episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think that I, I think maybe the re- reason they amped up how quickly it was running was to say, like, to the viewer and maybe even to um, to uh, Peyton is that it's going quick, man. Like, you better act now. Like, I, I don't maybe I, I maybe that's just me and what I'm getting from it. But them taking away the watch, it's like this is probably going to happen right now. Well, I don't think you're wrong. I also think it's more of like showing how memory works. 
where you get stuck and then the sound cue it's like as it speeds up it brings you back to reality and the ticking that you hear at the end is actually like seconds right so it's okay. the ticking is actually matching real time at that That's point fair. so i think i think you're right and it's showing like this is of the essence but he's trying to like you know you know how it is like you can think about a thing that happened to you and remember it all completely within moments but that the, one it didn't happen in real time and two you're living in real time you know mm-hmm. like so like i it just that felt very effective to me and again very different like i just i just wonder like we, we're gonna go through this what about those people on a friday night that were sitting at home wanting to watch twilight zone and the week before they just had some lady yelling at herself you know being chased by a horse <laughs> and then like was it like was it a week or two before they had um that stupid computer uh episode with like from agnes with love and they're like yeah. you know we're gonna sit down we're gonna have a good time let's go to the twilight zone and they're like I just, I can just, I, like, I just want to know if there's people that are just like, they stop talking and just sit still and be like, I don't know what's about to happen. Like, you know, you know, some, uh, some nights got ruined. <laughs> and it's kind of depressing too, because yeah. I think that a lot of these episodes, uh, especially in this season, they're built on dialogue. And like, I don't think that the show necessarily has to have dialogue the, the entire oh, time. No. And this, this is this is actually a really interesting episode, and like, if you could keep your kids calm, they might experience something really genuinely traumatic. Terrifying. <laughs> yes, I mean, the, so and Rich, you're about to say something, so I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll let you speak in a moment. I'm going to step on you though. Uh, season one, episode one is <laughs> where is everybody? <laughs> ah, it, it, that, that episode is just a dude walking through a town where there's nobody else, and it's just him talking to himself, and it's like. It's kind of a similar vibe of like, what is going on here? You know, type of thing. Um, And it's a wonderful episode, but the most of it's driven by him talking out loud where I feel like you could probably dial that back and just had his reactions to things. So I think as a, um, a viewer, we were getting more sophisticated. And since this was made as a short film and not made for like the mass consumption that is television, that I'm, I would believe that a lot of like filmmakers at the time would believe that is like, you know, like, you know, dumber in a lot of ways and less sophisticated. This is asking a lot of the viewer in a very smart way that I'm just, again, I wish, I wish it could be on the fly on the wall uh, from the same people that watched um, ring a ding girl that watched this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, well, I think uh, I, I think Serling kind of curtails that at the beginning of the episode by informing the viewer, like, <laughs> like "Hey, this is something new and completely different. This is a very special episode of the Twilight yeah, Zone. Very yeah. special episode. We're bringing this one over from France. It won the Cannes Film Festival, and uh, everyone's like, hey, it's from the Cannes. Oh, what the oh, heck? No. Fragile. It's a tie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So." Sorry, that's uh, anyway. That's where I was going. With, uh, you were going to say something, and I I stepped all over everything. So continue, please. Oh, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, great. So anyway, yeah. so we get you know we get to that like we again speaking to what Terry's talking about. Like we hear all these birds like just chirping, 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 and like I, I so I've watched this all. I've watched this three times. Um, normally I would watch once through blind and the second time for notes, and then I ended up watching it again because we had a brief pause between episodes, so I wanted to refresh myself to it again um the birds that are just so like they they they're overpowering right before right before we get to we know this guy's gonna get hanged 
and like nature is just like just just it is it's its own soundtrack it almost sound it almost feels like um like like the birds the hitchcock right where the film where it just like just shoves itself into every one of your senses and then we get him being dropped off the bridge and then the soundtrack changes significantly which that that scene is actually pretty terrifying in itself too because he's on a plank that's being held up by one of the what is the union soldiers mm-hmm. is that who is it? the union yeah. soldiers boot like they're just standing on it yeah so and then they even change hands or in this point changing feet to stand on it it's like it's like to hear all this shuffling around behind you, you like cuz there's there's no clamoring at all it's just these guys, they know what they need to do. They need to execute this dude. And so the next guy falls in the line. He stands on the board. And then when you hear the whole like signal, they drop the board. And then all of a sudden, there's this like, there's this like weird, like, uh, like misunderstanding of what's going on. Like he drops into the water. We don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, there's gunfire. You hear water all around us. Um, like you, it, it almost feels like you are immersed in the water with uh, Peyton. So there's a bit of confusion here. Like, what the hell happened? So we find out, obviously, the rope busted. And well, I think the rope was needed- supposed to be. Did it, did it break, or was it just like overly long? Like I don't. I think it busted. It, he, it broke. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it, it shows I'm, while he's in the water, the freight ends. Oh, of the good. I'm glad I watched this three times and never got that. So okay. Yeah, great. Good job. Good job, good Paul. Job. That's yeah, great. That's on me. Thanks yeah, for yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, that was the, <laughs> in, the, in right. the short story. Like, there's that confusion there too. Like, well, how did he get lucid? Like somehow something cut it or. Like, why do we like use bungee cord? Why do we use bungee cord to hack a guy? That seems that <laughs> seems really counterproductive. Uh, yeah. So I mean, was, Peyton. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Richard. Oh, uh, I was going to say there's a there's a line in the story that um, whenever he plunges into the water, that uh, that it's a little bit of a internal monologue with uh, Peyton thinks to himself to die of hanging at the bottom of the river. The idea seemed to him ludicrous. And then Peyton thinks to be hanged and drowned. That is not so bad, but I do not wish to be shot. No, I will not be shot. That is not fair. Yeah. And I, I take a little umbrage with this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and I'll get to that. And, and, and can I get to that now, actually? Please do. All right. Because here's where, the, as he plunges into the water in the uh, story itself... The story takes a it, it breaks and goes into almost um, into a separate chapter, for lack of any uh, better word, because they are sectioned off into I think three or four chapters. Terry, do you remember? Oh, geez, uh, I, I don't we, have my book with me. I, I yeah, there wasn't any real bridging because I did an audio book of it. Oh, okay, all right. Well, there there's a part where the book or the the, the story breaks and then. It goes back to talk about how Peyton got here in the first place. And um, this is kind of where I have a little bit of a hot take on the story, which um, it uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll pose it to you guys whenever I describe this and say it. And it said I wrote down is Beers's story just 
you know, uh, a fantastical story with a twist, or is it a bit of a political and social commentary, or even both? Mm. Because in this part of the story, it gives a little back, little backstory on Peyton, where he's a he's a well-to-do planter of an old and highly respected Alabama family. So yeah, he's a Southerner. He's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. He's a slave owner. And it says, quote, and like other slave owners, a politician, he was naturally an original secessionist and ardently devoted to the Southern cause. Now, here's a, a portion I really want to emphasize. The sentence is, circumstances of an imperious nature, which it is unnecessary to relate here, had prevented him from taking service with a gallant army. And... Uh, I'm going to admit I don't know definitions for all my English words, and uh, I decided to look up the meaning of imperious. Mm. And it's defined as marked by arrogant assurance or befitting or characteristic of one of eminent rank or attainments, commanding dominant. So circumstances of kind of an arrogant nature, so I'm thinking, is... Ambrose Bierce, a Union soldier, ex-Union soldier, who fought against the South, making a little bit of a commentary about a Southern plantation owner who is set to be hanged at the beginning of the story. Because yes. it goes on to talk about how um, he and his wife were out um, reading or whatever. They were doing sitting out near the road and a Southern soldier comes by and asks for a drink of water. And, and this line really kills me. Um, one evening while Farquhar and his wife were sitting on a rustic bench near the entrance to his grounds, a gray clad soldier rode up to the gate and asked for a drink of water. Mrs. Farquhar was only too happy to serve him with her own white hands. End quote. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> if that doesn't, I mean, man, and also a little bit of background on Bierce. His first job was at an abolitionist newspaper. Oh, so okay. That should, mm. that should tell you where he lands on the slavery uh, topic, uh, aside of being a union soldier. <laughs> I think, so, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, I think the whole notion there is what you're saying from what I'm taking from what you're giving me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down is what the kids say. Um, yes. Is that the, this gentleman in terms of the story never joined an army because he just, it was this prominent plantation owner and just felt that he never had to get his hands dirty doing any of this. And like, so then, yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's, and I'm wondering, you know, am I reading a little too much into that or, or maybe I'm not, I don't know. And no, I, well, I think, I think what, what he's then hinting at is that you're complicit, right? I think yeah. that's what he's saying is like, Oh, you may not have actually went on the front lines like myself and got my brain injured. Um, but you just, you know, you believed in this cause, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's the same bullshit that happens today where someone can have an opinion until they actually have to act on it. And I feel like, like people could always have these black and white lines and be like, well, this is what I believe. It's like, are you willing to go fight for it? Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow your roll. I'm rich. I have a family. My wife has white hands, you know, like, let's just, <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe <laughs> I'm getting from what you're telling me. Yeah, and here's the here's where Peyton kind of goes over the edge because you know he asks you know hey is, you know how how's the fighting going is there anything you can do and the soldier you know explains that 
that the Yanks are coming down using the bridge to advance and Farquhar says, well, is there anything like a civilian like me could do? And the soldier says, well, yeah, you know, that, it, it, that all that driftwood there is pretty dry. That bridge could burn right up. <laughs> so, you know, Farquhar is like, oh, okay, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll look into that. And then later on, it, it describe at night, the soldier comes back and Beers reveals that the soldier is actually a union soldier in disguise. Hmm. So that's how Farqueer gets caught and Yeah, well, whatever. Gets, uh, like they, they're just so. they drawing out the 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 privilege, right? So mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I um like I think I think um that does color the story a little differently. Um I never once think that this guy is like I, I don't sympathize with him in the, in the sense of like his actions because the very beginning where it shows the sign saying, if you mess with bridges, um, you're going to die. I mean, basically meaning if you interfere with the unions, like, you know, operations, you're done and you decided to like, you know, F around and find out. And he did. I got all that. And for this episode, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was, I think that got, got across. So I'm always sympathetic in the sense of, this is a human being that is like sentenced to die. And you, you know, you, there's, it's this weird thing of like, you're being put in the place of him. So of course you were going to be like, but what if it was me? You know? So then whenever the rope breaks, he's in the water, the, the, the way that the sound changes in the, the underwater is filmed. Tara, I'm going to put this on you. I got weird, like creature from the black lagoon vibes of him underwater. Like, no, that, that, that's a that's a very good interpretation of what it was because a lot of that sound capturing sounded just like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And that's one of my favorite. I know. Uh, I wasn't tr- like, I wasn't big. Terry, talk to us about the creature and how you love it. But it's like <laughs> it felt like it felt very appropriate then with him undoing all his uh, bindings and then also like yeah, you got to get rid of those boots. Those boots are not helping you out at all. You know, like but that the way that sound worked. It's like, and then also the timing of that whole thing of him underwater, the way that they resolve that of him getting to the surface is a realistic time frame. So it wasn't one of those bits of like Hollywood movie magic where it's like, he'd have been dead. Like the entire yeah. time the clock's ticking and you're uncomfortable and you sympathize with him as a human being trying to undo his, you know, being tied up and having boots on. Right. Like. And then when he bursts through the water and starts breathing and has that, that, like that joyous explosion, you know, you kind of cheer him on, even though he's, you know, a Confederate piece of shit. And credit to the cinematographer here too, because Mm -hmm. they picked, they, they picked up all those scenes really well. Like the underwater scenes look great. And like, again, like you were saying, like captures his, uh, like his, uh, uh, veracity to try to like get free and like, I mean, he's at a depth too that you can see that, you know, he dropped from a, a great distance. He's at the bottom of that river right now. And he knows that if he can't get free, he's probably going to drown. So he kicks off the shoes, he gets free, and he starts swimming. And then again, going back to that sound design, we're getting all those sounds him immersing from the water, um, him trying to breathe, all the shots hitting the water and that too. Like everything is captured so well. And I, I give big kudos to everybody who was a part of that production because I felt like I was there with him. I felt like I was listening to the exact same things that he was probably bullets whizzing past my ear. And that was like, 
did they did a great job and i i actually enjoyed this on a completely different level because i did i had done the short story just a few days prior and i was like well, there's spoilers. a lot more layers to okay. this sorry <laughs> yeah exactly that was I, I could feel like the chest compressions too yeah right before he burst out of the water and had the big intake of breath so it, it's crazy it, it's amazing what people can do with such a like a an art like what is cinematography in that uh, to really put you in a spot like put you with the like this at this point um peyton like you're you're swimming aside beside him at this point like mm-hmm. th- at least that's how i felt as a viewer yeah like, even those the views yeah. the views back up to the bridge too of shots being fired down that's from the water so those are really cool shots yes yeah and and, and although i clowned on it at, at the beginning of the episode um yet another uh call back to the story is whenever he bursts out of the water he does notice like all the little nooks and crannies and grains of everything that he sees whenever he comes out of the water and comes kind of back to life as it were and not only do you get the close up shots of that but you also get the uh, shitty folk singer well you describing before we, before we do things. that though don't we get the or actually is that before or after we get the slowed down dialogue from the union troops fire that's uh, before so that's before the song dialogue. is that one of like it so Oh yeah. Um, yeah. We, yeah. Because I just want to mention that because it's important because it also talks about the malleability of time, right? Malleability is better mm-hmm. word than stretchy. That's, that's the word I was coming up that's with earlier. Good word. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. And how like, yeah, you were joking about the sounds that was all going on uh, from the union troops as they saw him pop up and how it's like, well, again, just like the wristwatch, the wristwatch. What? I, why can't I call the pocket watch a pocket watch? Like why not the, the smart Apple watch he had? I don't know. Anyway. Um, so how it goes from being distorted to like slowly catching up. There's that distortion of time where he's like absorbing everything. And it's really effective because you hear all of, you know, the union soldiers, like just like there's this distorted slurred, like slow, like speech. And then it speeds Mm -hmm. up and then he realizes like, Oh shit, they're firing at me. And he goes away. That's also really cool. Like I dug that. I thought that was great to kind of still put you in the position of him of like, I survived this hanging. I survived this drowning. Now I'm up here. Oh shit. They're shooting at me. Like that was a really good way to still put you in, you know, in him and his surroundings. I thought that was a really great moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. When he immerses from the water and like realizes like, okay, well I'm free. What's next. And he hears all those distorted voices. It's like, Oh shit! It's not over yet. Like <laughs> he's kind, he's coming clear because, like, I think there's like this weird adrenaline flow that hasn't hit yet mm-hmm. because he 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 realizes he's not he hasn't drowned, but then it's like kind of uh, realizing everybody else is still around waiting for him to immerse. Uh, yeah, it gets real real fast for him, so he has to swim like crazy to get the hell out of there. And there's like kind of that. That, that like there's still these shots being fired, whatever, and he gets past that moment, and we, it, it, I think the next scene is that he wakes up, just kind of like done, and he's like rested on the beach, and he wakes up and he ha- he has the sand all around him, 
And that's when we get that song, right? Like that's the first in uh, the, uh, he washes up to like an outcropping. Right. And then before, right. yeah, that's when we get the first bit and of the song. And he's throwing right? sand around. He's super excited <laughs> about being alive. Well, first, like we get the first verses of the song before we get to the sandbar, which I have problems with that. We'll talk just from a personal standpoint. <laughs> We'll talk about yes. that in a second, but please, Richard, I know you want to talk although, about, please. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I did. I, I do want to say though, I liked how the last time that he said the living, I'm a living man in that first part um, before you heard the uh, union soldiers talking in the real pitch shifted stuff, they said, oh, I'm a living man that last time. And they showed a spider eating a fly. Yeah. Just, so I like that juxtaposition right there too. I that's thought, okay, fair. that's cool. I like that. <laughs> but so the two things I want to mention is one, um, the, the song is so odd. Like, yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard to say it's good or bad. It just kind of is like, I don't know. It's like, it's been stuck in my head and it feels very indicative of its time. Like, I just, I don't know. It feels like, it feels like a Frenchman writing a song with English lyrics. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds exactly like yeah. Cause that. I have some notes about how like this guy went on to be like a prolific editor. He's like, yeah, I, I wrote a song for this. I'm like, well, I'm glad that you became an editor anyway. So, um, and, but it's like, I didn't expect that. It was like, and it just added more to that, like weird dreamlike confusion of what was going on. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is what we're going to do. And then did you guys notice like from the beginning, like it was the morning, like there's the bare trees and then all of a sudden you start seeing like more nature and more foliage. Right. And that becomes prevalent through the rest of this. Right. Like everything starts kind of like, there's a lot more greenery. It's black and white, but bear with me from yeah. that point forward. And then him experiencing everything, all the, the veins on the leaves and all the bugs on the leaves, like, it is, um, it's a really interesting choice. And the first time I heard this music, I'm like, what is going on? But three times through, even though I didn't pick up on the, the rope breaking, so that's on me. Um, the song kind of has grown on me each time. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind it kind of has right in terms it's, uh, of the episode. It's kind of grown on me. All right. You know, fair, fair enough. Like, right. like Jordy Verrill, it's grown on me and it's, it now wants the bathwater. That's what it wants. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, there definitely is like a, a, a drastic change here because you, you're experiencing life. So yeah. like in the first scenes of him possibly getting, well, the, he's at his execution. Uh, it is very stark. There's not a whole lot of life there, but it's very uh, barren. And then now we're looking around. A lot of these scenes are filled with life. We're seeing bugs crawling on leaves and that. Um, even the song is kind of like examining what life is. Uh, it's it's a cool sequence. I understand that he's supposed to be excited about being alive, breathing air again, to be to be somewhere where he's not going to get shot. Like this is like an exciting point of his life. It's almost like he's being reborn. Yeah, in a sense. No, and, yeah. and so like yeah. To be correct, uh, he pops up for the water. There's the song, and then we have the distorted audio, whatever. Why, why am I correcting myself? If people have seen this already, they know I'm wrong. So please, I don't want to explain this. If people have not seen it, you should be watching it right now. So, but we makes it to the shore, which is what, Terry, you're talking about. Like, the song starts again, and then he does, like, he does, like, the overacting that happens in, like, all, like, European films from, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's I, kind I, of tropey. Yeah, I just I, yes. I, it felt very much like an Italian, like Western, like spaghetti Western, where it's like I'm on the sand, ha, 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 throwing dirt on myself, you know, like, 
And then, but like, fine, fine, fine. You got to the sandbar. You're good. My biggest, the biggest sin here committed is that you're soaking wet. You're going to roll around like you're a chicken tender getting breaded. I don't appreciate that at all. Like it is like you, like you're dirty and wet. You do not need to roll around and get covered in dirt more. That's all. You're a shake and bake. Yes. Yes. I would get the hell like, all right. So here's me me being realistic. Get the hell out of there. Get yeah. out of there, dude. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, well, but he sees the veins and the leaves, you know, and oh then he goes God. and like, looks I at a flower. Even... You got to look at flowers, you know, like. I, I don't know. Think about this. There's a war going on and you're wanted as a war criminal, essentially. <laughs> get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just get. get. I, G-I-T. Get. I, I mentioned previously, um, oh, the film um, uh, was a ducky sucker. There's an amazing bit in the middle of the good, the bad, and the ugly, wherever a Clint Eastwood and uh, Eli Wallach are running between enemy lines of the North and South. And there's this bridge section. It's like, they're both just trying to get across the river because they're looking for like Confederate gold. And there's an entire war going on in the background where it's like, we don't trust each other. Great. But there's bombs going off and like cannon fire. This is what they're reminding me of. It's like, I'm going to smell a flower and then hear cannon fire. Oh shit. I should probably start running right now. You know, like, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so aside from him being shaken, shaken baked after he goes to run at that point, um, I know he doesn't have boots on that whole sequence of him running through the brush hurt me to watch because he's barefoot. Like when's the last time you guys actually touched like, you know, the earth in the real world with your feet, with your bare feet. I might've been in single digits. Uh, are we talking about just taking out garbage? Cause I do that on a, uh, a constant basis. Oh man. What do you, what do you, what do you have hobbit feet? Like what do you, what do you do there? No, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. I, Dude, I don't want to wear shoes all the time, and I don't have I don't have anybody to tell me otherwise. So, great. Well, good for you. You can run through the <laughs> my <bramble>. life. <laughs> so, Paul and I are going to stay over here and listen to some uh, synthwave <laughs> well, with some shoes no, on. Like, well, if I even have like the slight on. imperfection on my floor, I just want to like fall over and be done for the day. You know. So, yeah. I tell you what, like it doesn't matter if I have shoes or not. I am running across glass. I mean, if uh, Bruce Willis can do it in Die Hard to get the hell out of his uh, scenario, then I can be this guy running across some twigs. I I, I, mean, I now need a moment. Back your wife. I need a moment before that happens where he's uh, like in the office and listening to that song, being a living man, and looking at like I see the stapler, I see the <laughs> hole punch, I see the office chair. You know, like. I'm a living man. <laughs> like I need that before he runs across. I see across. the terrorist try to shoot me. <laughs> Yippee ki yay yeah, yeah, and he just runs across the glass. <laughs> That's what I need now. <laughs> dude, it's about survival, dude. And yeah. that's what I feel every time I take out the garbage. It's about survival. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need how, shoes. How far away is your trash can? <laughs> uh, about 30, 30 feet from my okay. door. So it's not too bad. I mean, aside from like the pokey like grass, I mean, I'm always worried about dog bombs. You know, you never know like what's going to happen. <laughs> if 
if, if somebody's leaving those on the asphalt, I'm gonna kick their ass. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, Terry just puts on his headphones and listens to shitty folk music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does not give a f. Yeah, that's I'm, yeah. If I'm gonna step on dog bombs, and stepping I'm in to the dog music. bombs, I'm a living man. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, but just him running with that with, with was it the drums? Like, oh my goodness, that's very anxiety inducing. And then him, like, also you can just tell that actor just like just giving it all, right? It's just the way he books through the woods. Yeah. It's like it is. It is just it's it's exhausting to see. And I love how he does. Uh, he undoes every single button of his shirt here. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we are literally at like crotch level and there is no button. It's, 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 it's definitely so, a deep cool. V. It's a deep V, right? <laughs> We're talking about from chest like hair, neck, neck down. Chest. It's a yeah. deep V. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but yeah, like, so the cannon fire, so he runs through the woods. Um, and then, um, and then I'm, we, I'm not like, going to lie when, yeah. um, whenever, whenever he got close to the or whenever he found the road and he started running yes. towards the camera and the um the drum canes kind of clacked to a halt and he that's a, fake I, lo- right I love i love that sequence i love it yes please yes i, I love that sequence but i there, there was a part of me that also expected it to pan out a little bit and to show john cleese sitting at a desk and then saying and now for something completely different it made me think <laughs> of saying, hey, it's <laughs> that and the later on the later on they reminded me of him as um Oh, oh, what was it? Was he Lance? Was he Lancelot and um the Holy Grail? Whenever, oh, yeah. <laughs> whenever John yes. Cleese is just running towards the one castle, and they kept showing him beeline towards the castle, but he never went <laughs> but anywhere. He's the same, yeah. same point of distance away. <laughs> yeah, which is what happens later in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Like the bit of like the yeah the bit of uh, Peyton just running down that 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 you know that roadway. Like it's it's a trail, right? I love yeah. that sequence because of how much he's booking it. And then when he falls down, the camera pulls back just a little bit further. And it's just, yeah. I don't know. Like, like it's just because it's all planned, right? Of course. Cause it's like, that's the way it was shot. But it's like, I kind of dug it that like the camera's like, we're going forward. Right. Like, well, this is what we're doing. And then he gets up and he just sees like, what was it? That he, well, he goes down a further like wooded road. Right. And that's when he finds the gates. Right. Like, yeah. I think that's what happens, which yeah. if you look at the gates, Here's me watching it multiple times. There's ropes on the edges of the gates that pull it open. By the way, just go go look at it. It's pretty e- great. even on the stills that are on IMDb. You can see the ropes. <laughs> yeah, so. it's whatever. It is what it is. It's yeah. fine. Like I just it, love the idea. It's like there's a gate here. You know, like it's great. <laughs> um, and so then, but also him running through all the foliage. Like we got like all the ferns and all like it's getting more and more green. Like it's it's and then and then when he gets to um the the compound i'm sorry the plantation let's be honest the plantation <laughs> i was just say compound i don't know like whatever like i don't know the words the house you know it's a plantation let's be it's honest it's indicative of a certain thing though <laughs> yeah yeah compound it's you know whatever <laughs> sure that the house where the people are and then the other place where other people are that you shouldn't have those people there because it's plantation anyway so um yeah, but he shows up and then it's like all of a sudden the music kicks in again, the guitar. But did you guys notice that the birds come back? Like everything starts to kind of like you didn't hear the birds yeah. after he goes mm-hmm. in the water. Well, we didn't even mention about the the like, you know, shoot the rapids that happened with him. We didn't even talk about like <laughs> I think I can't remember if I wrote this down or not, but <laughs> when I watched that the first time I'm thinking, man, that uh that uh uh 
that creek, um, that creek turned up uh, pretty violent. <laughs> like, well, that, uh, lost oh. his boogie board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoever whoever shot that scene for him uh, really earned his money that day. I mean, they may have died. We don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. <laughs> does France have the same laws as the yeah. U.S. does when it comes to like? It is it is <laughs> horrific to see that news. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rapid section is terrible, but yeah. So he shows up to the plantation. Um, he sees his wife. Irby, he sees Irby there <laughs> and, um, and she starts running towards him, but that's when we hear the birds start coming back in again. We start hearing all of nature acting up again. And then there's that amazing sequence there though, of her constantly going towards the camera and the sequence of him running, which like, it's great that you brought up John Cleese, uh, which made me think of the Holy grail because when he's showing up that one, like it's the same shot over and over again. This yeah. is, this is the same shot over and over again, but they keep, um, like pushing in and pulling out. So as him running that you see that like two or three times, it's the same film sequence. So he's constantly running in place like yeah. towards her, which I was surprised that they actually put them together in the same frame, but they did eventually. Um, but it was like maddening. Cause it's like, you see it over and over again with his, his hands out. She's excited to see him. And um, yeah. So we hear like the music, we hear the birds, we hear that. And, 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 and Terry, I know we've talked a whole lot. I'm going to let Richard uh, give away the ending here because he's the guest. And this is, this is why he uh, came to the dance. So please tell us what happens next. Drop the hammer. Well, he uh, runs to meet his wife and they eventually do meet. And uh, she touches him almost as if she can barely believe that he's there. And he goes to move in. You, you could tell they're they're about ready to embrace and kiss or something. And then all of a sudden, it, and this is probably the most jarring for me anyway, having watched it, Peyton just jerks back and makes a, an audible <laughs> noise that's really loud. And then they cut to him dropping and from the side of the bridge with the noose around his neck and his neck tapping. Yeah, or maybe that's just kind of a Mandela effect, but nope. still, there you You're you, you see that the news right. the news is there. He's he's hanged. He's dead. Nope, not a Mandela effect. He's definitely uh, hung and dead. And uh, yeah, um, I was more referring to the snapping of the neck, but oh, yeah. oh, maybe, but 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 because I think it's but, implied because of the noise and the way he reacts. You're right. It, so yeah, yeah. But, but you but also hear still, though, yeah. you hear the sound of the plank moving. So yeah, yeah. it is one of the most upsetting and satisfactory endings. I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah. It's, it's pretty simultaneous. You're like, Oh God, that is uncomfortable. And yet it's, it, it it's the payoff that. Yeah. So Terry were, thoughts, yeah. feelings. Um, no, yeah. I see. I absolutely love this sequence because it is so jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes. in the storyline, you, you, you get a sense of what's happening. I, I think you can kind of see the writing on the wall. But as a viewer, I mean, watching the Twilight Zone uh, back in 64 and seeing this, you you may not know what this is like, like the backstory. You don't know, like, the uh, subject matter that leads up to this. Dude, this is, like, some horrific shit right here. Like, I, it made me feel a little, un, like, I don't know. Like, it made me feel a little difficult. Like, like to wrap it all up in my head uh, and i i knew the storyline i kind of was hoping that something would change just so they could change it up 
But then I'm glad that it would it stayed close to the original storyline. But like just to see uh, Peyton in that pose with his wife, I was like, "This is bad, dude!" Like it it, it kind of it was heart wrenching almost. And I didn't get that from the story. I I, I love the story, and I think they did a great. Well, the original story is great in mm-hmm. in itself. Like we'll just put that on a side. But this adaptation of it, there's something here that. I really appreciate I appreciated about it in the sense that it's like it it made it more uncomfortable for me to digest. Yeah, and and I I told you guys this before we actually started the episode where I didn't see this as a Twilight Zone episode. I saw this years and years ago, and I, I think I even commented to you, Terry, just via texting or messaging that this was decades ago that I saw it maybe shortly after your time in the civil war we understand uh yes yeah it was after i was in the war really after the brain injury um, you know you recovered then you saw you saw this talkie and were confused by it i get it yes yeah i didn't understand and then french were doing that my 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 god i've seen i've seen the 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 train coming towards us i was freaked out by that film that was the last film i saw yeah and then they showed the sunrise and my hand started to burn (laughs) crazy crazy <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, I, I, I caught this as the short film itself being played on AMC, the American Movie Classics or whatever, in between films, just to fill in a, a as a as a stopgap in between what, whatever was playing next, whatever I was watching at the time. But um, and that, that was even before I'd read the story, and I was just floored by it by the ending just you hear that and they show him hanging you're like oh my god that's that is rough man and then you realize that that it's based on a story that was you know originally published in 1890 like oh my god heavy really heavy yeah i just uh, and and i know you guys have talked about this in the past let me bring this up real quick i'm gonna step all over you now paul but uh you guys have brought this up in the past where you talk about (laughs) <laughs> yeah boom but you, <laughs> you you'll mention how you're like okay i kind of knew there was a twist coming because it's a twilight zone episode and and i didn't even have that benefit i was watching and just like oh what this came out of left field oh my god so i i was just beside myself yeah i i feel like i i kind of wish that I would have seen that like sight unseen in terms of like without context, like you did, because that feels like it'd be much more of a, just a gut punch. So even with this too, um, so watching it and kind of trying to find like the television edits for it, which we'll get more into a little bit about what happened. There's, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of trivia about what actually occurred in terms of like shortening this from 30 to 25, which, you know, like, I don't think it, it hurts it at all, but I understand they had to do like the kind of packaging for it. Um, just knowing that like, they're like, we're going to pick this with the twilight zone. You knew something was coming. So it's like, it's hard to like dismiss that. And even though you knew something was coming, um, because these episode times are they're, they're, the, the, the runtimes are so short. You're like, you're looking at like, I, like, I pause it for a second. You're like, well, this, this has to wrap up somehow. Like what it makes it feel worse. You're like, where's this going? Like, like this has to end. Right. And then when it does, you're like, oh crap, it just ended. Like I have not felt like, um, 
I'm the, I don't know. I can't I, I can't think of a hammer of an ending did, that just dropped. Did it leave you hanging? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it left me twisting in the wind is what it let me know. Um I'm just trying to think like the last time, the last time in the Twilight Zone where it just kind of completely like that's your that's your ending. We're done now. Um like, Well, there was a one about the criminal that was going to be hung and then he transported into the future and then came back. Oh, that's um oh shoot. That's that's a season I, 2 I episode. I cannot remember it the name of that called, episode. Um Oh, well, thanks thanks for ruining the ending of that one, Terry. No, so, um, well, yeah, you you well, you try to figure out which one that is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's an actually episode. No uh, context. That um, oh, that's actually a pretty good one that you just mentioned. There's yeah, one. I mean, it's. I feel like it was somewhat similar in the sense that it's like we get the hanging, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. We get at least in this, we get our outro, and it's like, oh, all right, that now we're done. And I, but I think this went by at a fast clip too, like just being enveloped in the storyline and being along with Peyton, hoping that he gets out of this scenario. And then you get, you get that like quick, he's dead. It's over. Hello. Goodbye. Rod's like, have a good night. Like I, I wasn't like, if I was in watching this in 64, I'd been like, Whoa, thanks dude <laughs> what the hell and uh, good night yeah, like you like you brought up earlier it's like yeah sit down for a relaxing friday night and then all of a sudden whoa yeah. <laughs> to some heaviest heavy... thing ever <laughs> yeah especially you're talking about like the civil war and everything this dude's about to get hung and you're like oh okay well he made it right you know he's he's passed and he's watching bugs and shit like that crawl over leaves and then it's like no he's dead <laughs> Okay, so so the two episodes I was thinking one you're mentioning execution, which is great because uh, uh, Richie should check it out. Also, the professor from Gilligan's Islands in it, um, yep. so okay. it's 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 a lot of fun. But there's also an episode in season two called Dust, in which it's a person being it's it, that's going to be hanged, like in the town is like like there's there there's a lot of suspicion that this this guy didn't do the thing he did. And so, so let's give credit where it's due that like, because this was already a, a short film that was brought in and also because this is a, what, 64, or did I, did I messed that up already. It's 65, I think 64 when this was aired. Um, yeah, yeah 64. Um, I don't think earlier Twilight Zone could have shown a complete hanging. Like I know we talked about the Mandela effect. The last couple up, the couple seconds of this episode is a dude dead at the edge of a bridge. There's no way in hell CBS would approve that if it would have happened. And I think because it was already like produced and because it's like, Oh, it's French. It's different. My God. Like (laughs) they got away with a lot. This would have never actually been actually, it would never pass the censors. If this was a script of the actual series. And I'm I'm glad it, I'm glad it made its way to the series and, I, I, hopefully this was uh, a storyline that would, you know, like kind of display a lot of these actors and give them a little bit more uh, you know, credit towards whatever they were doing at the time. Um, I don't necessarily think that would have happened because people just kind of sat down, watched a thing, ingested it, and then walked away. But, you know, like this was a, they did a great job on this. I, I really uh, credit them uh, for all the production that was involved with this. Like I said, I love the sound design. I love the cinematography. Uh, I think everything was like firing on all cylinders on us. 
Yeah. And there's no wonder that Rod thought this was a kick-ass storyline and how and, and how it was presented. So, okay. Um, yes, I agree with all that. I just want to ask if you guys have any other notes because I have some trivia about the production of this episode and how it, it's, it's in a weird spot of how this showed up in the Twilight Zone. Uh, Richard, I know you did some deep dives of reading the story. And um, do you have any other notes that you want to get into before we talk about the actual construction of the episode? No, no, pretty much just um, however you guys want to interpret it. I've, I, I had it interpreted one way whenever I originally saw it, and then when I came back to the story recently, because I had always I'd read the story after I had seen this however long ago, and coming back to it now and giving it a different reading and different interpretation, it's like oh, okay, I, I got a little more out of it, but I can still. I can still set the episode aside for what it was by itself. Fair enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know? So in regards to getting this actually to be part of the twilight zone, um, there has been, I was looking all over the place. There's a lot of different like stories that have been passed down that have been like printed as fact that may not be accurate. Like there was one supposedly of like Sterling flying overseas and grabbing the rights. I don't know about that, but so according to um, the twilight zone, unlocking the door to a television classic, which I've referenced multiple times in the series by Martin Graham's jr. He seems to be like the one that's kind of gotten like all the shit straight about this. So, um, this, you know, obviously got some acclaim from cans and then, um, winning the Oscar. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Let me, let me read a little bit about here. So it was in April, um, that, uh, Windsor Lewis of, uh, Kappa Griff productions. They're the ones that actually had the rights to the film in the U S anyway. Uh, they wrote to Rod Serling, inviting him to come to attend a private screaming, uh, screaming, 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 a private screaming, screaming. Private screaming of the French film. Um, Serling wrote back Thank you for playing that explaining again. that he would be in New York on Wednesday, May 8th, staying at the Waldorf. So, like, he made it a point to go to the East Coast to actually watch the film. So then um, his enthusiasm after watching it, like, was like, this is great. We need to do this. We need to figure this out. So it became a matter of, like, negotiations about how much we'd be paid to get this. Um, so there was some low balling and it kind of went back and forth where Sterling was like, I don't know if their people are going to sign off on this, but they eventually did. Right. So then after that happened, um, part of the contract that they signed to get this, it was only allowed to air, uh, during the 12 months that they had the rights for. So it got aired twice. Um, so it was never part of the syndication package, which we'll talk about more in a second. Um, and then also they knew that, um, they had to change this a little bit to make it airworthy for the twilight zone. So when they, when they actually gave the license, they actually submitted like a number of different things. Like they gave them uh, a really nice print of the 29 minute film, a separate dialogue track, music and sound effects tracks, a separate unit of background pictures behind the titles. Uh, so they were able to actually incorporate like the actual titles in the episode and then all negatives and um, from which still for photo- uh, uh, photographer photographers, Photographs, that's the word, uh, could be printed in music cues sheets. Um, so they were given like this boatload of information and uh, material to cut it the way they needed it. So that's actually pretty impressive as well. Uh, so they they liked the presentation of this so much and the cost, which I'm going to give you some numbers in a moment, was very beneficial that they made sure to show it a second time before they lost the rights to it. I don't know how it's now part of the streaming services when this is like an included episode, whenever as Terry and I have talked about, um, Netflix doesn't have season four at all, but Hulu does like, I don't know why those rights are weird, 
but this is part of all of the production packages now for like streaming. I mean, it's also almost 60 years old, so I'm sure that it didn't cost too much, but this was only shown a little bit when it first came out, which is surprising to me, but that's the price they paid. So with total production costs for this episode in terms of getting it over and editing it and making it ready for air was $28,612.31. That's the uh, sixties money, right? So that's, that's more. Um, so, <laughs> so Terry, what do you think? How much it costs to, uh, do, uh, for Magnus with love? What do you think the total cost was that for, was? Oh, geez. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, but that episode's so stellar. Come on. Uh, I'm going to say like $2,000. <laughs> 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 to produce that episode, it was $57,952.14. I could have done it better. <laughs> um, spur of the moment was 61000 and change. Uh, um, it was that just to rent the horses and somebody to throw that chick scream? up on top of the horse? <laughs> yeah, you know, the cost was all for the ambrosia. Um, Oh my god! No, so it's then the terrible. next episode we're going to cover Queen of the Nile. the The production costs now are fifty six thousand. So you can see why this would be um, approachable to have this as something that was like shown, like you know, it, like it's like half the cost, right? So other rumors are, and I don't know how um, uh, substantive this is, is that this episode was actually the last to be produced, quote unquote, for the series. Because everything else was already like like in production, and then they they're like, oh, we're one episode shy, so let's just get this in here. Uh, so this was actually the last one where like Sterling actually did like in camera work in front of the rest of everything had been shot and was in production at the time. Um, because this came in under budget, it actually brought the entire season under budget supposedly, um, and because of that. Even though CBS didn't want to renew the Twilight Zone for a sixth season, ABC was interested and had reached out to Sterling because um, Kyoga Productions and all considered were like, hey, this is great. What if there's other foreign productions out there or short films that we can then kind of like loop into the Twilight Zone? ABC was like, hey, do you want to do a sixth season? And Sterling's like, no, because he got the shit beat out of him, right, for the, through five. So it, this is one of those weird what ifs that the series could have been continued because they found a way to save money and still tell amazing stories. Um, yeah, like it's an interesting footnote in the twilight zone. Um, so, so there you go. This saved money. Uh, it told like it, it, they did an amazing job, uh, presenting it. And it's a very, um, it's a very important episode. And it, you know, and I don't blame Rod for turning down the possibility of a sixth season because of all the production, uh, you know, woes that he's he had well, he, up. And he lost point. so much control after season three. So, like, how much more yeah. bullshit do you want to put up with? It, it's a bummer because I mean, I've enjoyed this series ever since I was a little kid, and obviously, I, I've really enjoyed this ride talking about the the series and proper. But you know, it's like. You can only push somebody so far until they say, you know, enough's enough, you know? Yeah. So with that being said, um, I just want to put this to you guys, like before we get to the twist here, um, I've had some, had some people mention to me, like, cause I I'd said something about watching this for the first time on social media and people are like, I love this episode. One of my friends, like, this is my, one of my top five Twilight Zone episodes. I, his opinion is not wrong. My point is, is this is this an episode of the twilight zone? 
Like it is presented by the Twilight Zone. It's formatted for the Twilight Zone, but it was never created to be part of. So can you put it in the pantheon of episodes? That's my question. Richard, take this one, man. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like yeah. Stomped him too. It's like uh, when you're discussing noir and neo noir. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 no. But no, no, it's just. <laughs> Uh, but no, um, but do, you, like, um, do you understand my point though? It's like, it, it, I, I know, it, yeah. no, I know exactly what you mean because when you look at it from the surface of it and when you break down this, ep- this episode by itself, okay, it has the, the, the storyline, the, the, the intro and outro by Rod Serling. It's based off a short story by an, uh, an author. Not necessarily all the episodes were, but you had a lot that were, it has that, particular twist that the twilight zone was so famous or infamous for um the ingredients are there but i'll yeah. I'll, agree, I'll agree with that ingredient statement there yes, wholeheartedly the, the ingredients are there now does it necessarily make bread or are we making souffle <laughs> So, well, it's it's, French. So, is it a souffle? I think it's a souffle. It's a a weird line to tread because, like, I I agree with you that, you know, like, we could see this exist in the Twilight Zone universe. The fact that it wasn't made by the production company that would produce everything that we know that is a Twilight Zone. No, if 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 you're equating it to that, no, it doesn't, it's not a Twilight Zone episode. But this is. This is close enough, so I think it it deserves to be an argument, because if you think about it, the Twilight Zone is a floating thing. It's a floating, um, like, uh... Well, that's fair. Yeah, no, you're right. I just, like, when we get to the end of the season, which is fast approaching, Terry, when when we get to, like, our top five and bottom five and whatever, like, I, I... I hesitate because I adore this. This is amazing. It is a gut punch. It's so goddamn great. But I want to put an asterisk on it because it's like it almost is unfair because it had, you know, just it's a film, you know, (laughs) like it's not it's not an episode of the Twilight Zone. Like, I don't it's almost like, um, you know, it's like I almost want to be like, uh, was it years ago? Uh, what was it? ESPN put out like top party schools, like in the country. And then they took one of them and put an asterisk. So like, we don't rate professionals. Like it was like one of those things where it's like, it's like this, this would, they'd be number one, but they take it above and beyond. Like, I feel like this is like, you can't meet the production, like value of this. I know they paid X number of dollars cause it was already made, but it's like this thing it's filmic. It's like, it's just mm. like, it's hard to, yeah. That- yeah. That's actually a really good point that I, when you, when you explain it like that, it's like, it's like, okay, this is, it, it, it's too pro to be not that, not that the twilight zone wasn't of its own thing, but it was, it was television quality. Whereas occurrence at Owl Creek, this is, you're right. It is a short film. It, it is a film. It, it, honestly, if they would have like, let's say that twilight zone existed, for another season and they did all their production in Toronto or something like that in a country where the dollar would fly a little like longer than like in American American productions, which that happens now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they could have made huger, like more grandiose episodes and made us fall on our ass every single time we watched it. 
Like, cause I think this, there's some, there's a grander scale to this episode. And nice. I think that's because they were able to make the budget work for their benefit. Well, and I don't think that, uh, like the American production was able to do that in most costs. Well, I would argue, so Terry, I'd raise you, uh, the seventh is made up of phantoms, right? It's a location oh, shoot. And it's historically based. And stop. But you know what stop. I mean. Like, you know what I mean, though. Like the money was there. There was props. There was things, and it just didn't. It just didn't get pulled together. And I, but again, the, but because they're shooting for television, there's deadlines. There's time frames. There's um, which the same things. Deadlines, expectation. The machine's rolling, right? With a film, like I understand, there's expectations of getting completed. But the short film, like I'm going to guess, it's one of those things that like they got the money. They had as much time as they needed to get this done, right? So they got to carefully pick locations. They got to carefully uh, pick uh, songs about living men, you know, whatever, um, you know. And well, and, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, you kind of it, it, it can kind of be broken down into like with and probably and well, not probably and through no fault of Serling's, definitely by the fourth and fifth season, from the way it sounds. But it almost became more, all right, we have to make the product. We have to get the product out. Whereas yeah. an occurrence at Owl Creek, just Enrico, random French dude, was like, all right, I want to make a movie. I want to base it off this. I have X amount of dollars from whomever, and this is what I want to do. It was almost all heart. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a thousand percent right. But like, yeah, uh, if you go back and look at like um, from the production of Twilight Zone, which I'm sure we get in season five, we'll talk about that. We talked a lot about it then season four. A lot mm. of the um, creative um, f- control got got taken away from Serling after season three. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so for him to be over the moon about this and be like, we can get this cheaper. Like good on him. And also right. good on him yeah. to recognize like, because he was never afraid to be like, this person does good shit. You know, I think the only time that he ever butted heads with Abe was Ray Bradbury, and like <laughs> that's really funny. By the way, you should look up all that stuff. They 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 were frenemies. Let's just, let's just put it yes, that way. Yes. Um. But yeah, Ray, Ray yeah. Bradbury back in the day was a little little bit uh, a little bit cantankerous. Yeah, a little bit. But he it's was kind of like, weird. He he kind of mellowed out after he had his. Uh, <laughs> his stroke back in the late nineties, early on. Yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, exactly. Huh. How about that? But yeah, it's just so like, but, it, but Serling was always so quick to lift up others. That's why like, you know, like we got, um, you know, Matheson and Beaumont and George Clayton Johnson. So when he, when he finds a cool thing, he's all about it. He's the more, the merrier, right? He always loved, um, serious storytelling. And this, this has it in spades, right? Like it is crazy. So I'm not like, again, um, it just, maybe this, this is more of a philosophical conversation about where this is placed. I can tell you, like, I can tell you here when we get to the end of this, the season, like this is going to be a discussion, but I just, I feel like it has to be like, like we don't rate professionals. Like I want to, like, I want to give it a, its own trophy, but I also want to look at the rest of the season aside from, because, it already existed in whole cloth before they, they put bookends on it. That's, that was my question to you guys, because that's what I've been kind of like struggling with because it's hard to be like, it's one of my favorite episodes of the twilight zone. It's like, yes, it's amazing and it's great, but it, it, it never was, it was never made with that intent, you know, that's, and, that's, and, yeah. and, and there's validation to that completely. And I think that, uh, you know, I, up until that point where we have that discussion, 
I'm going to be critiquing that. Uh, I, I think that I will be looking at that little, little asterisk and, and understanding if it needs to exist, because I think that's that's a fair way to look at this episode because of everything that you've noted. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Um, that's, I, I, do, do we have anything else to talk about that? Cause we can just get to the twist here. Do any other notes proper about this episode? No, I didn't have anything else. How about you, Richard? Nope. No, I'm good to go. Okay, great. So let's just uh, rate that twist. <laughs> Knowing that the, the, the dead guy was going to be a dead guy. Like didn't surprise me. Um, what surprised me was how much I'd be bothered by all of it and how sudden it ended. I'll give that a four. And for me, like I, I, you know, listening to the, the audio book prior to this didn't really change how I, like I felt about the end of the episode. Like it was really difficult to watch and it was jarring. I'm going to give it a three. Um, I think that there were still like, because of it being part of the, twilight zone universe something was going to happen but it was it still surprised me fair enough so richard uh one out of five i always i never quantify what our twist is it could be like one out of 37 who knows but one out of five yeah i'm i'm trying to think back to whenever i first saw this and i'm gonna have to go with the big old five on that because fair enough when when i yeah when i saw it the first time and he he jerked back that just was whoa yeah yeah, I I can still at least go back to that time, and even though I knew it was coming, <laughs> whew, it's still. But rough. you're putting yourself and in the position. I I just I I, I just wish there was like, a, like I know that there's like you know it's the '60s, so we don't have like TikTok and all that garbage. But wouldn't it be great to still see some people's reactions and so like that's the episode? And I would love to, I would love to see some older people just get up and turn off the TV and just walk away. Like I would yeah. love. <laughs> yes <laughs> like they just get so mad they're like nope and they just go to bed like that's it i'm gonna eat this uh weird jello ham or whatever it is because it's the 60s and i want to go to bed yes yeah oh like like i also love the how the twilight zone was always like like set to be like it's your it's your weekend fun night and it's like well good luck enjoy your weekend now like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in the hands of Serling now. Yes. Yeah, and, and go brush your teeth with Crest. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, yes. and uh, make sure you smoke. Um, oh, what was it? Um, Oasis cigarettes. That was yeah. one of the sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yes. goodness. So, all right. Um, so yeah. Uh, so before we um, before we're out of here, uh, let's talk about people can find us, and then we'll talk about the next episode, and then we'll be out the door here. So, so Richard. Uh, how can people find your things and they should buy your things to support your things? Um, uh, my things, you can find me at, uh, on the old F interwebs on facebook.com forward slash, uh, Richard staving rights, W R I T E S. And, um, for Instagram and Twitter at Richard staving, R I C H A R D S T A V I N G. That's starving. Mm-hmm. But without the R. <laughs> and what, what is and, the, what's uh, the anthology book that you're part of? Uh, that is uh, Dim Shores Presents Volume 1 through uh, the small press Dim Shores. So buy that one. Uh, Dim Shores Presents Volume 2 is also out. Buy that one as well, please. There are some very, very good authors in both. And aside of just my please support small presses. Please, please, please. 
Wonderful. So if you could just do me a favor and take any William Beer story and just change the names a little bit and submit them as your own and just publish and make money, I I respect that. That'd be great. Okay. Uh, the currents I'll, I'll at, at Parrot, um, you know, whatever, Parrot uh, River Bridge or whatever. Just it's fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, you guys can find us on uh, Facebook at Strange Highways Podcast. Uh, we've gotten people interacting with us. We appreciate it. We got a lot of commentary recently. A lot of people talking to us, like talking about episodes. We like that as well. Um, you can email us directly at uh, strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. And uh, yeah, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. And Terry, I know you got other social medias and other things to talk about. Please, please, please uh, talk about it. Yeah, we're on Instagram, folks. And, um, you know, come out. Or come out like you have to go out somewhere no you can keep your mask on if you want and come over to the internet and uh check us out on instagram uh come over there like us uh follow us uh you know make some comments i've been a little bit more active on there lately trying to engage people in conversation and um you know like paul was talking about uh we really appreciate the reviews um big shout out to shelly uh she gave us a really good review on uh apple Podcasts. uh we really appreciate it and uh we uh we love the fans so keep on doing it folks um we're doing this uh mostly for you guys we're hoping that you enjoy this stuff and it makes us a better podcast if you give us a review yeah absolutely so um so that's well uh, you guys oh, sorry, sorry ahead, please. Say, no please you guys don't want me on here ever again please say so but in the meantime thank you Terry and Paul for having me on here oh, and thank you like uh, you you called being, your shot uh, for this and we had to have you on here and you showed me the really problem. huge book that you pulled out to read the story and I was impressed that you didn't kill uh, yourself. Looking yes. Book. Yeah. I think I may have broken a toe. No. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was rough. It was bad. But no, uh, yeah. thanks for having me on. Thanks for, uh, and working with me for skipping the week. I really appreciate that. That's so. okay. We just know that you had to make some personal appearances and sign some autographs. We understand. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's how I roll. Yeah. You're like, Hey, I'm that guy from Tim shores. And everyone's like, yeah, get out of this, uh, gas station. You're like, I will sign whatever book you bring me. You know, anyway, so, uh, I just want everybody to know that um, when we release this, it's not going to be Twilight Zone Day, but it will be National Nutty Fudge Day. So hope everybody enjoys some National Nutty Fudge. Um, yeah. So and and so anyway. So next episode we're getting into here is uh, Queen of the Nile, and we'll let uh, Serling uh, take it away. And now, Mister Serling, Twilight Zone regular Charles Beaumont brings us our next offering: a tale of age and youth and a beautiful woman. Our star is Anne Blythe. Our story, Queen of the Nile. They say that beauty is only skin deep, and when a surface is scratched, what you might conceivably find underneath is something quite apart from beauty. This is the rather intriguing basis of our next presentation on the Twilight Zone, Miss Anne Blythe in Queen of the Nile. All right, so we're getting to um, some, I guess, uh, Egyptian things. I don't know. I don't know. I just this the, the teaser of him after the episode was him with like this weird statue. It's it's amazing to see. So hopefully, I'll show a photo of that later. Or this photo. I'll I'll show a uh, a screen rubbing. I'll just take a crayon and rub it on the screen and share it later. But anyway, that's going to do it for our conversation about an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Rich, for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Terry, thank you. Um, thank you. You're you're my co-host. So thank you anyway. Like you. <laughs> You don't deserve thanks, thanks. Thank you anyway. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Terry, for nothing. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, as always is Terry. I don't know. Anyway, so. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. That's yeah, what... you the man, Richard. Thank you for being here. Uh, you always bring uh, a lot of different parts of discussion that maybe Paul and I probably can't really dwell on because <laughs> you bring it. <laughs> we like We like to just 
you know, have fun and uh, you're bringing the knowledge. And yeah. uh, we really appreciate well, it, man. Thank you for being let, here. Let me, let me end it on this. Like, Hey, Richard, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, oh. occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge in two forms, as it was dreamed and as it was lived and died. This is the stuff of fantasy, the thread of imagination, the ingredients of the Twilight Zone.